0: Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we... uh, break and continue into our uh, off season edition as we look at, uh, we do have some signings uh, this week to uh, talk about. So we're starting to trickle some of that in, some that happened this week. Uh, obviously, the week after Thanksgiving is when things tend to pick up in the baseball offseason. A few more signings, the rumors start kicking in as teams start to prepare for the winter meetings. Uh, so we will talk about signings. We'll talk about some off-the-field issues that took place. Uh, $2 billion losses are being uh, uh, reported by uh, at least one owner and why there might be some money woes as we anticipated with some of the COVID-related crisis that is impacting different teams. Uh, Cor- Cor- I can talk. My goodness, <laughs> it's uh, it's hard here. I'm not even pronouncing the names, and I'm butchering this. So Thanksgiving has caught, got on to you. Like you. You're still in the food coma, man. I, I'm, I'm hoping to break out of that, but at some point, why bother? Uh, but the Korean stars, uh, there's a couple of them that have posted and now could be on heading to your team in the next 30 days. That's that process. Hot stove rumors. There's some, like I said, that are kicking into gear. We'll talk about that, as well as our NL uh, recap of uh, one thing we got right, one thing we got wrong, and one prediction uh, for the upcoming season. So that's our podcast today. Uh, As always, our... Uh, heater podcast is brought to you by river creek popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice come hungry leave happy and there's an additional off-season opportunity like we said we love doing this podcast and off-season and breaking down what could be happening what could be coming to a team near you but also the uh, river creek popcorn has their off-season time and some special things happening this is the weekend
1: so friday and saturday you had a If you want to get an order in still, you have to contact us on Facebook or contact me or my dad most people that know how to get a hold of us at some point, get a hold of us some way and place your order because I don't want to keep anything too long anymore. So we've made cheese, we've made caramel, we've got kettle, we've got the regular popcorn. And I think I've got something like 60 orders right now that I have to fill over the next few days and make. So I'm going to make a lot of popcorn over the next few days. It's But then Friday night, Saturday, we'll be coming to help you out and your Christmas drive-through Christmas down in Richland Center. So, busy couple days.
0: I was going to say, you had uh, also, uh, by popular demand, had to make a a second round of uh, things. So, things are going well with the off-season. Also, on location in in, uh, Richland Center this week, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, we have uh, a bunch of uh, uh, festive events around the... All COVID safe too. Sorry,
1: I want to point that out too. At Absolutely. this point, we got to point that out because we we've planned around this. If you come by it from our house, all you have to do is beep the horn. I will come out in a mask. I might even have gloves on. We'll see how cold it is, uh, and we'll deliver the popcorn that way. And if you come to Richland Center, it's just drive through. We'll pick hand it all to you. As far as I'm, you're you're making it. But as far as I understand,
0: that's the plan: drive through and hand it to them. As well as. Uh contactless or touchless options where they mm-hmm. can come and pick it up at a, at a table right there. And so we're, we're doing everything to be as uh, as COVID safe uh, as we uh, we can and uh, take advantage of some of those things. So uh, that's all coming up here in the uh, south central Wisconsin area. So if you are around these, ne- these Dem Dare parts, uh, come check it out and uh, grab uh, a nice snack and a nice Christmas event. So let's dive in. And I suppose before we dive in, I'll at least make the the note that for next week, what we're looking at is, uh, I love hot stove uh, time of year when it comes to baseball. It's the... uh, uh, what might happen, uh, wh- who could your team add to uh, get you excited for this next year. Uh, rumor mill is always uh, crazy, and uh, so winter meetings is always my uh, best time of year. So we're going to preview all of that next week. We're going to fire up that hot stove and uh, get a chance to see, make our predictions, that we'll put our GM hats on, of where we think the biggest free agent signings are going to be, uh, what teams are likely to make uh, uh, trades, which players we think are going to be moved. Uh, our big offseason season. Uh, Rumor edition will be next week, so stay tuned for that. We'll dive into this week's news and notes. We'll start with the signings. Uh, Three players have exchanged, uh, headed to new locations, uh, two to the same location, but we'll start with the first big one, and that's Charlie Morton, the uh, veteran pitcher who's been with the Tampa Bay Rays for the last two years, who has been captain clutch for Game 7s of any type of playoff game, any type of do or die. Uh, His ERA in those games is absolutely incredible. Uh, we said on this podcast that due to family considerations, that's, what, that's why he signed with the Rays two years ago. They live in Bradington, just either north or just south of uh, Tampa Bay. I should know that. My, my Florida geography is lost I have no idea. That one's up to you. Uh, but uh, uh, we said that this offseason, when they declined his option, to me, I only saw two teams. He either re signed with the Rays at a lower, lower price or Atlanta made the most sense from a family proximity standpoint. Uh, They spring train in Orlando. That gives that much additional time closer to home. Atlanta's not that far away as far as still being able to be close to family or a uh, a quick flight gets you home and be able to enjoy some of those off days and still be close enough that you can do that type of stuff. So that was our prediction here before the uh, free agency got into full swing, and that's exactly what happened. Charlie Morton has signed a one-year deal for the same price that uh, the option that was declined, one-year, $15 million. I thought when they signed Drew Smiley they were going to be done with veteran additions. The Braves went back out for a one-year deal, and again, to me, this is an excellent fit uh, for that uh, rotation and team. Well.
1: If we're going to talk about it from the Braves' perspective, let's just say in a little bit we're going to talk about what I had written down as needs for the Braves. And the need is, was starting pitching. It's been starting pitching all year. It was injuries, some of that stuff. And Drew, between Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton, they took a need, and it, it could very well be. As Mike Soroka comes back from that Achilles, and there's talk that he will be just fine for spring training, which would seem to be a really quick timetable. But you take a need, and suddenly it becomes a strength because you trust Charlie Morton, you trust Max Freed, I trust Mike Soroka if he's healthy, and they tell me
0: he can pitch. And at this point, Ian Anderson was great in the I playoffs. See, I, I trust Ian Anderson. Yeah, you trust he Ian has, Anderson? I've uh, been a uh, his development and his uh, uh, performance in the postseason. Uh, if anything, it makes you that much more excited for next year. So, what was once a I and mean, we remember when we started this, you had the Max Fried for the for uh, number one starter and then you look at question marks. And then the rest of the question marks and the ERA difference between mm-hmm. the two We're like how is this team going to survive? You don't have that same question with the rotation now. And then you still got the fact that this is probably the best offense in in the National
1: League or right up there with the Dodgers, so as far as I'm concerned, the Braves have put themselves in contention to
0: likely win the National League East again. The question becomes for them and we'll talk about it later but but it's Marcelo Zuna. That yep. that's now the question of their of their offseason. But now we can uh, look at I mean We'll talk later too. Again, Charlie Morton's the the impact on, on the Rays of losing of losing him obviously is there. There's now a need to fill a starting pitcher spot there. Uh, but we'll save that as far as the uh, what the Rays do to counter that. We'll put that all together if and when they make their signing and their uh, their matchup, and we'll talk about that angle later. Uh, but as far as the other two signings, uh, Mike Miner and Michael Taylor ha- both have Kansas City residences now.
1: Well, let's start with Michael Taylor because that one we know at least the numbers on. That's a one-year, $1.75 million contract. Michael Taylor's 29. He's been with the Nationals most of his career, if not all of his career. And, uh He's a fourth outfielder. That's what you're going to get. He batted 196 last year. Strong defender. Gives him some pop and speed. Very much a Royals type of player, if you ask me. Like Plays good defense. Can run a little bit. I I think he'll be a fourth outfielder. Probably a part-time at-bats in the outfield. Mike Miner is a little more interesting. Mike Miner... Uh, Very good a couple years ago. He's actually been to Kansas City. Actually, Charlie Morton's with the Braves, too. I didn't even mention that. But, yeah, it's a return to Kansas City for Mike Miner. He'll be back as a starter this time. After kind of a weird year last year, he got dealt from the Rangers to the Athletics at the trade deadline. He was excellent two years ago, 359 ERA. He wasn't nearly as good last year. It was in the 5s ERA. It's a reclamation project. Before we started this podcast, I said it feels a lot like the Marlins. These are two low-cost signings where – if you get some great production out of them, great. You take advantage of that. Maybe you're in contention, like the Marlins came out of contention, which we didn't expect, and
0: made the playoffs. But not
1: if they're if they're not in contention. But you're getting good production, you flip them. This is a team in a rebuild. That's how you do
0: it. And Michael Taylor, especially, is that uh, that added outfielder that can be a, a, a nice piece on a, a glue player uh, on a stretch run. Mike Miner also has one more year of control at this year's trade deadline. So yeah, they haven't announced the numbers
1: too. on that one. I wish I wish we see the numbers on that one because the pitching market, if Charlie Morton's getting fifteen million a year, which is a little high, but roughly what you'd have expected. I'm interested to see what Mike Miner's going to get. I'm going to say
0: like if, if Robbie Ray is getting eight,
1: Oh my gosh, <sighs> your boy. Mm. If, if Robbie Ray's getting eight million, Mike Miner should be getting ten. So we'll see. I'm sure it's not that, but people see Robbie
0: Ray's high upside or whatever, well, supposedly. And the the market for that type of pitching is starting to be established. If you say eight million is the baseline, or potentially with mm-hmm. Robbie Ray, Drew Smiley at twelve. Yeah. Uh, so you're having – and Kevin Gausman got the qualifying offer uh, mm-hmm. for that price point. So, I mean, even for a four, number four, number five starter who's even a rebound candidate, it's not going to be less than $6 million a year uh, the be. way that this nope. is. So this is going to be interesting to see. Does that uh, go above the eight? Where now we're seeing that's the baseline, or does do we have a a new baseline that will be there? Is okay now this is the range, this is the market for these one year or two year deals with these back end guys or reclamation projects. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see because that's the only market that's going to be defined at this point.
1: Yeah, and. And the first rumor we're going to talk about here is let's talk your let's talk the Rays again. So we go back to the Rays again and talk Blake's Snell because he's on the market and I know his contract for the next three years. He's going to make ten and a half million this year. He's going to make twelve and a half million the year after that, and he's going to make sixteen million the year after that because it was a five year extension a couple years ago, and so he's been through two on that. That was after the World Series or the Cy Young year, right? He capitalized on the Cy Young year and signed that extension.
0: Five-year, $50 million contract is what he uh, signed to buy out his arbitration years, get the cost certainty, get the, that money banked, and in return he uh, trades out one of his free agent years uh, for that uh, that cost certainty. Uh, so uh, Blake Snell is, is the interesting one. Again, uh, some people are surprised to hear that name. Why would the Rays were just in the World Series? Look how Blake Snell pitched. Why would you do such a thing? you have to know how the Rays operate. And it's not, it just a, yeah, it's, it's not just a cost-cutting a mechanism. This is a team that, again, was built on uh, uh, Wall Street executives who know how to buy and sell. Uh, and right now, if you look at the pitching market, it's Trevor Bauer and then everyone else. If you have Kevin Gaussman getting $18 million, that they are so worried about what it could be to re-sign him that they just give him the qualifying offer, well, then what is Blake Snell worth? On this market, and now you have a couple other teams that are deciding. Okay, if, if Blake Snell could be, uh, and as what everyone is saying is that this postseason rebounded Blake Snell's trade value, uh, and he had an excellent postseason. He pitched well uh, for the Rays. Uh, the truth is, though, he's only gone like five innings. Uh, he's been a, an an excellent twice through the order pitcher that the Rays have not wanted to a third time through, usually because his pitch count has been so terrible. Uh, And with that being the case, there's still risk there involved. But if someone thinks, hey, that's just the way the Rays are doing things, we think he'll be as good. Here's a guy who was a Cy Young winner just two years ago. Look at how well he uh, pitched in the postseason when it counted. It, this would be a sell high move by the Rays that could still work out well for another team to trade for him, but it's because what they could get for him. So, this is them testing the market. You now have Sonny Gray with the Reds being mentioned in the same capacity. You have Lance Lynn. Now, uh, as of today, I forget if it was John Morosi who put it out on Twitter, uh, but that Lance Lynn is going to be made available in the, the offseason. So, other teams are realizing the pitching market is very thin. And so here's some good pitchers. Let's see what we can get for them as teams try to make upgrades. Okay, so Blake
1: Snell's a free agent in 2024. Sonny Gray is a free agent, and I got this one too. He's on a 3 $30 million contract himself. It looks like he is a free agent in 2023 with a club option. And Lance Lynn think he's got one year left let's check here Lance Lynn is a free agent in 2022 on a three year so they basically all have the same contract except Lance except Blake Snell's a couple more years
0: so one year two year three years you have Lance Lynn for one year Sonny Gray for two and Blake Snell for three
1: uh I got my team that I I think that Houston makes sense for I'll say Blake Snell makes a lot of sense in Houston uh they have some older pitching Uh, Seattle gets mentioned a lot for some of these guys they have prospects for days they could make some of these moves and I think Toronto. Those are the three teams that I'll be interested to see. I think one of those teams should make a splash on some of these guys.
0: I'm going to give you two other teams because these are we're looking at which teams are going to be aggressive with that and uh, uh, Toronto is looking for some stuff as you mentioned Uh, but I'd say the White Sox, they're looking Mm -hmm. for a veteran to put at the top. Uh, The Padres, after not having Clevenger this upcoming year, they've been aggressive for so long, there's no reason to stop now. Uh, So I think they're going to be a a key player in this as well Uh, and Something to keep in mind, Blake Snell is a Seattle native. Oh. Uh, so he, there's a lot of Seattle. ties back home, and he's still there. As so I could see Snell going to the Mariners. And, and remember, if you look back in the last three to five years, the two teams that have traded together the most are the Tampa Bay Rays and the Seattle Mariners. So a homecoming for Blake Snell, it depends what Seattle's doing. I'd say this is probably a year sooner uh, then you would expect them to try to make moves to, because they've been subtracting in order to build the farm system. And it's this would be a big addition and would probably be a year sooner than anticipated. However, the a, the AL West is a division that we'll talk about as we get deeper into this offseason is a division that is available. You can be competitive in that division, have a shot at it. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I like the teams that you mentioned. I just added a couple others that I think will be a part of this equation. And,
1: there's Absolutely. definitely a market. I think what we're Absolutely. saying is there's there's going to be a market. Every team needs good pitching. And for what all my complaints about Blake Snell and his pitch count, and I've said it many times, I owned him in fantasy. He never got me a quality start because he can't make six innings. But maybe that was just a raise thing. Who knows? But yeah, there's he's a good pitcher. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be the Cy Young Award winner again. I don't think he will be. But a team that there'll be a teams that want Blake Snell and Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn.
0: Well, let's put it this way. You can get the, the cost just about for – uh, for Blake Snell for three years is what it's going to cost for Trevor Bauer at one. Uh, and so that's going yeah. to be uh, where the, that comes into play uh, as well. So we'll monitor that as, and we'll talk about that more next week as we make our full predictions on those uh, types of players. Uh, let's dive into some of the others that are a part of the, ru- the rumor mill this week. Uh, some big names. Uh, let's first, uh, let's do... Let's go to free can keep going with free agency, and then we'll talk about a couple of trade guys that are being mentioned. But uh, James McCann, mm-hmm. uh, again, the everyone's waiting for JT Realmuto. He's the guy at, at the top. But I talked before we got on air that there's really three tiers of who's available in free agency from the catching market. The first tier is JT Realmuto alone, uh, and he's going to be at a big sticker price but there's a tier two that is also only one player, and that's James McCann. Here's a guy that has uh, established himself as starter quality. You've seen him; his trend going upwards in the last three years. He has improved defensively from a pitch framing standpoint as well to go along with a bat that is well above average for that position. So he's hitting free agency at the right time. He's trending up again. catchers develop later in so at 29 he's probably at the peak age it used to be 27 was that age for like baseball hitters mm-hmm. like when you expect your their peak year 29 for a catcher seems about right too Uh so I think he's at the uh, hitting free agency at the right time
1: yeah and so he in no way that he did anything wrong they signed just Monty Grandal and so James became became the backup this year which is understandable. J- you have considered probably the best defensive catcher in baseball and very good offensive catcher. So we only got up 111 times, but seven home runs, 20 runs scored, stole a base. He have counted for one and a half war in 30 games. That is incredible for a catcher. So this one was John Heyman seven hours ago. His teams that have reports that have interest in James McCann are the Yankees, which we've talked about. Gary Sanchez is an excellent offensive catcher to some extent, although he strikes out way too much, but a uh, horrendous defender. The Mets, they have needs at catcher. The Cardinals, Yadier Molina is a free agent and has said that he's willing to leave as if Wainwright comes with, the last we heard. And the Angels, I don't even, I guess they had Max Stassi, who kind of had a nice year for them, but you're going to take James McCann an upgrade. And then the White Sox would be interested in having him back. But once again, that would be likely as a backup. So I'm not sure if James, I suppose if the money's there, he might be into that. But that's a, those are some very big market teams that you'd expect the bidding to rise more than I think we originally predicted.
0: And the level of interest of teams thinking, okay, yeah, JT Ramuto has a huge price tag. We could get a guy that maybe does three-fourths of that for a whole lot less. And I think that's changed his market now based upon this interest. If you would have asked me when the offseason began what I thought his contract predictions could be, you were hearing things like maybe three years, $21 million, seven years, uh, uh, $7 million a year. I think we're now at 330, uh, three years, $30 million. And the team that signs him is the one that's going to offer a fourth year, some sort of playing time incentive option to make that uh, possible. So I think that's where his market is now headed. Yeah, uh, my my
1: prediction is that he is going to end up with the Mets, actually. If I'm, just a preview of next week, because I think that that might be the Mets for him.
0: And then George Springer leading into another big Mets target, uh, and other team's target. In fact, there's a team that's a kind of surprising who's been showing early interest in him. Why don't you break that down for us?
1: Uh, Springer's got interest from a lot of teams. He Springer obviously is probably the biggest name that's not J.T. Muto on this market as far as hitting is concerned. It's He's still young. He can hit. And he hit a lot of home runs last year. So the Mets are considered the favorite for George Springer but as far as other teams that are interested in him the white Sox seem to be making a lot of splash there and uh that's the one that, that's the one i didn't expect to come calling toronto toronto's making a big splash
0: i was going to say toronto was the one that was surprising to me having interest in in him yeah and it's supposed he's the one who said
1: i think the report was there is he's giving i think a serious thought was the quote that he's giving serious thought to playing in toronto I, Toronto needs pitching more than hitting, in my opinion. I just don't think they need hitting as bad. Not that you're always going to take George Springer on your team. You find a spot for George Springer, but this is a team that has hitting. They have Hyunjin Ryu, I find to be excellent, and then Robbie Ray, like whatever. But uh, (laughs) George Springer, yeah, you you he fits that team. In the fact that you know he's a young, talented player. They have a lot of that stuff. But I would, if I'm the Blue Jays, I can find my spots to spend my money elsewhere.
0: It's interesting that in the AL we've seen a different way of of building a team. We've seen uh, the Minnesota Twins definitely went uh, offensive uh, from one to nine in the lineup, uh, being a a team that decided to go there and then figure out the pitching. I'm wondering if Toronto's going to do the same. The interest is not only in him, but in D.J. LeMahieu they've expressed strong interest in. Again, we both said we don't see uh, LeMahieu handing in his pinstripes anytime soon. Uh, but just the level of interest that Toronto is showing again, they're mentioned as a dark horse candidate for Francisco Lindor on the trade market. So uh, this is a team that has been linked more to hitters than pitchers at this standpoint. And I suppose if you're, if you don't want to spend 12 million bucks on a drew smiley, uh, if you're deciding, you know what the better bang for our buck, if we want to spend would be better addressed with hitting and then figure out the pitching may not be a bad way to go this off season. Um, Let's talk trades at this point. There's guys that are on the trade market that we're hearing about. Nolan Arenado uh, is being mentioned as a big one, and, and Chris Bryant. So there's the two third basemen that are being rumored right now.
1: Arenado has got really two teams, I think. I think there's there's other teams that are supposedly rumored. Toronto is supposedly rumored there too, but I, I really think that Nolan Arenado is either going to play somewhere in the National League West, either he will be back with Colorado – Or the Dodgers, if they really – if the Dodgers send – say they're willing to send two, three stars to Toronto to speed up their rebuild, even though it's a division trade, that could happen. Beyond that, I don't think Nolan Arenado leaves Toronto – or leaves Colorado for another team. Uh, Chris Bryant, the Cubs came out today and said they're not going to trade him before Wednesday, which there must be some type of –
0: extension or something that hits by that date. The the, the non-tender deadline okay. is what's there. So, I think what that what they're essentially saying is we're not non-tendering him. There's at least some question at cuz he's looking at potentially cuz there's always a raise, uh, stuff never goes down. So, he's looking at around a $20 million uh, price tag for this upcoming season and with the uh, the Cubs potential financial woes, there was thoughts that maybe they would even non-tender him with the uh, where his performance has been of late.
1: Chris Bryant the the big rumor is for Chris Bryant is to Washington and they could use offense. Chris Bryant has been inconsistent at best. I guess you'd say since he won the MVP award a few years ago, much even more inconsistent than your buddy Blake Snell since he won the Cy Young award. But uh, the nationals, they need help at third. They need help at a lot of spots in that lineup. And, Carter Keeboom would be probably your starting spot where you'd send him back. He's a pretty—I mean, a couple of years ago he was a top prospect, and maybe it's the shine has dwindled a little bit from that star. But yeah, the Nationals can pay a lot of money; they they have money to spend. I could see that working. That would get some protection in the lineup for Juan Soto. Uh, the Braves, right? If the Braves don't sign Marcel Azuna, right? They they have a small gap over there. Austin Riley could move. St. Louis, uh, that'd be in the division, but. We talk, we're going to talk about a team, Nolan Arenado sort of gets mentioned with them. I don't think it's going to happen, but that would be a division trade. All those teams could use a little offense, and if the Cubs are looking to cut payroll, Chris Bryant is a good spot to start. You hope to capitalize on what what might be again.
0: We'll mention the Cubs a lot next week because they have a lot of guys as they're reaching a, a crossroads as far as the cornerstone pieces. Uh, the, the previous team, their core players, are all reaching free agency, or one year away uh, where they need to make some decisions on what's their future. Uh, and you have uh, from Chris Bryant to Kyle Schwarber, uh, and there's still others to be mentioned too. So we'll talk about them uh, next week as well. I will mention this with Nolan Arenado. Uh, and that's the, we talked about the the Cardinals are still mentioned as kind of that uh, uh team that could be a potential fit and there's a history there as far as how the Cardinals have operated how they have gotten their big uh, big acquisitions usually is from a trade standpoint more than it is from a free agency standpoint you look at Matt Holiday uh, from a number of years ago uh, you mentioned Lance you say Lance Berkman was the other one that I was Berkman to mind. Paul Goldschmidt most recently Paul Goldschmidt obviously yeah those are those are all players that the Cardinals have brought in I want
1: to say like well, not that Nolan Arrow's not in the prime of his career, but those they seem to be little past prime, almost like Paul Goldschmidt's still very good. Don't get me wrong, but he's not winning. A, I don't think he's winning an MVP award. I'm not going to predict Paul Goldschmidt to win the MVP award. Matt Holiday was a little past his prime, having
0: actually struggled. I think that was after the Yankees, wasn't it? Uh, I don't remember necessarily. Well, I know he was like is around the age 29 years. when you yeah. think right past peak. But still, if, if you, you're you banking on these guys, still having a good second half of their career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where they get guys that are like one year away from free agency. They trade for them, a chance to see them in the uniform, and then they re-sign them to a, a larger contract. Uh, so Nolan Arenado fits that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that's another... Classic Cardinals move or not, and we'll monitor that as the off season goes on. I should at least briefly mention that some of the teams uh, that I was referencing with Blake Snell also comes from uh, Eno Saris from the Athletic uh, has mentioned just an article today five teams that he thinks could make good trade packages or where he would fit uh, for teams that are looking at it. So something to check out if you're interested in some trade rumors. That's awesome. Yeah, Nolan Arenado. So Nolan Arenado actually
1: has a long contract, but he can opt out after 2021. So it. There's some talk that if he went to the Los Angeles Dodgers, for example, he would just say, I'll keep my contract and not opt out. I think if he goes to a team like the Cardinals, they would need to have that type of an assurance. You'd want that assurance if you're making that trade.
0: Absolutely, and that's where Arenado still, despite being a guy with a contract traded, uh, still has leverage in this as far as which teams he will indicate that he'd be willing to re-sign with. Uh, or stick on with whether it's keeping the contract as is or whether a new deal is struck uh, afterwards. Uh, So that will be another key part of the discussion on if things get deeper into negotiation, that will be a key equation as part of it. As far as uh, other players on the free agent market, we should talk about the Korean stars. There's two that were posted. One is a shortstop. One is an outfielder. Uh, and the shortstops are getting a lot of play here this offseason. Uh, from Didi Gregorius to uh, Marcus Simeon, those are the two in the free agent market. Obviously, Francisco Lindor uh, and Trevor Story are the big ones in the as far as potential trades, but there's still another key player that we'll talk about here uh, that's being posted. Uh, why don't you give us a little info on him? I hope I'm saying it right. It's I think it's Hasiam Kim, and he is 25, so very young.
1: Uh, almost considered a prospect on that, right? Uh, last year he hit 310, 28 home runs, 21 stolen bases in his 128 games. Now he's very short. 5'9, maybe weighs 165 pounds, played shortstop in the KBO. So if those of you who stayed up and watched some of those KBO games, I stayed up and watched some of them. He was on the Kaiwoom Heroes. At that size in the big leagues, I could see him playing second base. Not that he could probably play shortstop. I'm not saying he couldn't, but he could play second. But with with that age, and when you already have seen the 20 steals, 20 home run potential. I think he's going to get a pretty good contract. I think it could be up there in the D.D. Gregorius, Marcus Simeon range. If if a team really thinks that he's got that when the translates over, I, I could see four or five years, 60, 70 million.
0: It's hard to predict the type of dollars that could be there with a guy that young uh, and what they think his potential is. I think he's going to be more of a contact and doubles hitter, gap power, uh, that translated to the, the major leagues versus maybe uh, you know, hitting 20-plus home runs uh, in the majors. Those numbers tend to be a little bit more inflated over there as far as what transfers over to this baseball. Uh, that being said, uh, he offers a lot of uh, talent from a two-way player standpoint. Uh, and a lot to be excited for, and I think he'll definitely have uh, a vast amount of, of suitors, those that think it'd be easier to sign him versus giving up the the boatload for uh, Trevor Story or Francisco Lindor. The
1: other big name that got posted just today, actually, from the NC Dinos, another team, is Sung Boom Na, and Sung Boom Na is 31, so he's a little older, and he's also, I believe, a Scott Boris client, so you're going to pay up if you're going to get Sung Boom Na. But his career over there, he's got 179 home runs, 729 RBIs, and he's got a 926 OPS. Just this last season, he finished second in total bases, third in home runs. He had 34 home runs, 112 RBIs. Uh, He's played mostly right in his career, played a little bit of center field. I could see him signing... A dh type of role maybe i i have not seen him play enough defense to know how good his defense really is fan has it as basically an average defense and the korean if you just watch any of the korean games it's a very different game they're not trying to hit home runs necessarily they're playing to contract a lot more over there so while he's hitting those types of home runs numbers you can usually expect to drop like 25 ish home run power here probably uh I remember when Eric Thames came over from Milwaukee after he won the one year he was over there, he won the MVP award or maybe even two MVP awards and he was hitting 50 bombs a year and he's a fine Major League Baseball player. He hits about 20 home run strikes out way too much, but that type of a player, maybe Sung Not could be something like that, Just
0: fill in corner outfielder, first base type of thing. And if we think of the international players that were that were brought over last year, uh, you're talking about Yoshi Susugo, mm-hmm. uh, who's played a little bit of third and outfield for the Tampa Bay Rays. Defense was a little bit better than they first uh, thought it would be. Uh, the bat, the underlying stats were good. The the batting average was not. So still going to be another year to evaluate. Uh, overall how good he is as far as transferring over to the, the majors. And Shinori Akiyama, if I'm saying that right, the outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds? Shogo. Shogo Akiyama. Go. Thank you. Yes, sir. And uh, both those guys were at least solid uh, in their first year in a very weird year. Uh, uh, with, again, uh, not a lot of uh, spring training <laughs> yeah. time in order to be able to uh, adjust and do that. So, uh, again, just to give a little bit of context as far as uh, the level of play. Uh, has improved over the years as far as some of the international locations and some of these uh, leagues and organizations, and they're able to jump in here without any like minor league time for a lot of these like veterans who played enough years. So you're talking about solid major league additions with with uh, high upside. Yeah, when we were when COVID first
1: hit in quarantine, we didn't know if we were going to get an MLB. I stayed up till midnight a few times watching some of these games, and it's probably better than. It's probably equivalent to AAA baseball, if I'm saying it. It's, it's probably a little better Agreed. than AA. It's probably pretty much equivalent to AAA. So, as you see, a lot of times players put up unbelievable AAA numbers, and they're still very good major league players. So, I would expect these guys to be capable players right away. Maybe not superstars. I don't think you're seeing an MVP
0: award out of on Kim next year. I can say that. <laughs> well, and And just understanding what it is that's going to be their strength and what's going to be their initial weakness from the different type of play. Mm -hmm. Pitching over there, they see a lot of off-speed, and so they're used to the bending ball, uh, and they adjust to that very well in the majors, which is usually the the reverse, right? Uh, Hitters here are trained to hit the fastball, and then it's the off speed that takes more time to adjust. It's the exact opposite over there. These guys are very good at hitting the off speed, but the high heat, they're not used to seeing 96, 97, 98, etc. cetera, uh, consistently over there. So that high heat takes time to adjust to. Uh, and then it's also a matter of your your scouting and player development departments to tell you if they have the bat speed to catch up to it because that's where guys adjust and don't adjust is based upon the fastball transition for hitters. Yeah, it's
1: it'll be an interesting one. Those two names definitely to watch, though, as the free agency market hits.
0: We'll briefly mention money woes as far as uh, teams that are are not going to be spending money, uh, based upon uh, their own uh, predictions on what they view as their their losses and what has been uh, what they're reporting as their losses, anyways. And number one, the Philadelphia Phillies owner has already come out and said they're not resigning JT Realmuto. Uh, that they've lost reportedly two billion dollars as as part of this. Those are some outlandish numbers. It depends what he means by two billion. My guess is a, a good chunk of that is just in terms of team valuation uh, from where things are to what was lost there. Uh, I like it's hard to understand or justify some of these these numbers because you also saw what the New York Mets sold for uh, mm-hmm. this off season. So I'm not sure where he's getting two two billion from.
1: Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I'm not going to ever accuse somebody of lying without having proof myself, but it's just so hard. I understand that they didn't sell any tickets, that they didn't sell any concessions, any of that. That's
0: absolutely oh, yeah. understandable Considerable that they lost losses, 100.
1: no doubt. $2 billion is an exceptional amount of money. That is unbelievable amount of money. So, yeah, I can understand. Look, I'm not saying that he's not didn't have a massively bad year and he's going to lose money, and I can understand why he's not going to sign. JT has said I want $200 million, I don't think he's going to get that. I've never thought he's going to get that. But if you tell me that he can't afford that, sure. I think that that probably makes JT, JT Muto's market a little smaller. And I'm not sure what the numbers he was talking. It was all that big in the first place. So in his case, that's not what he wanted to hear because he, I'm not sure. I think he's a Scott Boris client. I'm not entirely positive of that. But I'm pretty sure he's a Scott Boris client. And you know Scott Boris loves getting his money. And so the Mets are obviously the favorite. They've been the favorite there for a long time. Uh, but if you don't have a bidding partner to drive the price up, uh, he, he'll talk them down.
0: <laughs> well, and, and Phillies, uh, to give them their credit, they've been big spenders in the last couple of off-seasons. Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler and uh, the last two off-seasons, so they, they've definitely uh, made it rain in the last couple of uh, uh, off-seasons here, so they're now hitting the pause button on making those type of big ticket uh, items there. Uh, so we'll see what what happens from that standpoint. By the way, you know, Saris mentioned the Phillies as an idea for Blake Snell, a cost-controlled guy, a way of adding uh, pitching. Doesn't necessarily help offense per se. So it'd be interesting to see with that.
1: That'd be a really good top three in the rotation. You know, I I love those. I love Aaron Olin, Zach Wheeler. So
0: yeah, that'd be awesome for them. Chicago Cubs are the other one that are mentioned of of doing cost cutting this uh, this offseason, and it's just because of their their key players are within a year of free agency. Uh, Chris Bryant's twenty million off the off the books. Uh, is going to be a big chunk of that. So it's a little bit overblown with the Cubs. They're not doing a full-scale rebuild, but they're at that point of deciding what's what's there. And, and Javier Baez is the biggest piece that they need to answer. Do we re-sign him uh, or do we trade him? So lots of things to, to check out as as time goes on. We'll keep you posted in that category. We'll finish up the news and notes with uh, off-the-field issues. Kind of a, a weird one. Randy Rosarina was all over the... Uh, baseball and, and uh, national and global uh, uh, media uh, with his uh, complete uh, rise to uh, a star stardom, power, yeah. superstardom in the postseason and making a name for himself to the point that they were already saying movie rights were already lined up and done as far as telling his story. Well, unfortunately, this week, it was more off-the-field issues in a not-so-good way uh, that brought his name back into the uh, back into the spotlight. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So a lot of this, I'm, I'm not entirely
1: sure what, how much of this to believe and what's true and what's not true. It's a lot of speculation. Uh, it was November 24th. I believe that was last Tuesday. It was whatever day Charlie Morton signed. So I believe it was last Tuesday. And Randy Rosarena, early in the morning, there was a report that he was arrested in Mexico trying to take his, essentially kidnap his own daughter from his ex-wife. And in doing so, he assaulted the woman's, so his ex-wife's dad. So I guess it would be his ex Father-in-law uh, down in the Yucatan, and we didn't really know what was going on down there, and so all we heard was I think it was Jeff Passan said you know the MLB Department of investigations or whoever it is is supposed to be investigating this, and then a couple of days later it came out that he was released after a 48-hour hold in their jail and didn't face any charges for his domestic incident, so. You know, maybe more of it will come to light. But as last we heard was there was no longer a crime to prosecute. So I guess all's well that ends well. And you hope, you know, for the
0: family's sake, for this little girl, everything worked out well and she's safe. Well, and there's two things to always factor into these types of uh, uh – reports that we hear. And that's that number one, you need to verify. There's a lot of big things that are thrown around. uh, And so you need to verify, did these things happen in exactly the manner in which it's being stated here? uh, Or as often is the case here, and and this is not to uh, belittle or anything else, but sometimes things are more overblown, which gets covered better uh, because it's a bigger story uh, than what actually has happened. Uh, And I think this was a you know, custody disputes are are frustrating uh, as far as how with how it works with different people in the, in that, and from different things that I read or was was seeing there was it sounds like both parents got upset at different things that were happening. Uh, Randy Rosarino wasn't happy with. Uh, how his child was dressed or shoes or whatever the situation was and decided he wanted to spend some time with her right then and there. uh, Well, that's not always how that works and those things. So these things become messy. uh, And as far as what the legal system has decided was that there wasn't any uh, enough evidence to pursue a case uh, to verify those types of claims. So it sounds like there's not going to be anything coming from an MLB, uh, even investigation or discipline standpoint. So, but again, those are the things that make you just pause and just want to make sure people are use your better collective judgment in those uh, situations. So hopefully that's the last we hear of any type of issues going on uh, in that category. Was there anyone else that I'm forgetting as far as off the field goes? Uh, nope. That's the only
1: one I have down on my list. So I think I think we're ready to move on to the what we did right, what we did wrong, unless I'm forgetting something too. No, nope. That's all I have down in our notes is what did we do right, what did we get correct, what did we get incorrect, and what's a need or a prediction for this team in the offseason. I think we started in the ALS.
0: Let's start out west again, shall we? Yeah, so we'll take a look at the National League uh, coming up just next.
1: Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have a tension span that can only be measured in nanoseconds.
0: To be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. Yes! That's awesome! And we are going to shake it L.A. style as we look at the NL West and the now reigning World Series champions, the uh, L.A. Dodgers. Uh, as we look at uh, one right, one wrong, one prediction, Corey, why don't you kick us off? Oh, we got a lot right. Some of these teams are not going to have much right, but this
1: this is a team we got a lot right on. This is the I think we basically said this is the best team in the National League all year. They traded for Mookie Betts. We said the intention is there. They're not going to lose this guy. This is going to be a team that can, wants to sign him, and we were dead right in both cases. It was the best team all year and it was not a one-year rental with Mookie Betts. It was, let's get him in here, and let's sign this man and lock him up for a long time.
0: Uh, for me, this was the World Series uh, team that ex- uh, was expected. Uh, Mookie Betts for MVP, uh, putting that uh, in there right away. Uh, so, yeah, I think this was an, an easy one to get right, to not overthink things, uh, but uh, definitely one that was uh, spot on from, uh, from start to finish. I'm not sure if we really had anything wrong uh, with this, because we, they were the clear-cut, hands-down favorite.
1: Yeah, the only the only thing, some of these I get a little little wispy on, so I just put, I put Gavin Lux basically didn't play, and I yep. thought he could okay. have won Rookie of the Year. I really thought that there was a chance Gavin Lux would win Rookie of the Year, and this team is so deep that he never hardly touched the field.
0: He just didn't have the time to develop. There was going to be, and also, again, in a COVID year, it's harder for the inconsistency, and when you're on such a, uh, where every win matters, Uh, As far as you're looking at World Series, you don't always have time for player development on the major league field. Uh, some other teams, he would have gotten a lot more playing time, and maybe that would have been better for him overall. There's a reason why potentially he's a trade candidate for a, a bigger a bigger piece uh, that better fits that team. Uh, but yeah, I'd say yeah, we had him picked as a, an, a rookie of the year candidate. I had him for my NL rookie of the year. So uh, that one would be one I have gotten gotten wrong, We still believe in the talent and wait and see how he develops there. But what's your uh, prediction? Do they make... One of these, do they still add another big piece to this already star-studded team? Yeah, the need the need is figure out what you're doing at third base.
1: So you you got multiple options here. They they're willing to spend. Do you bring back Justin Turner? That that's the first question. Do you bring back Justin Turner because you wanted to put him at third? Do you trust Edwin Rios, who is actually a pretty good prospect in his own right, doesn't get the credit he deserves because they have so many prospects? Do you flip some of those prospects and bring in Nolan Arenado or Francisco Lindor? That's the question with this team is. What do they do at third base? And my prediction, I guess, is I think they're just going to bring back Justin Turner for a year, to tell you the truth.
0: <laughs> I think they uh, bring back Turner. He wants to stay. Uh, he's still performing very well. I agree with that. My prediction is Josh Hader finally makes his way mm-hmm. to the Dodgers uh, because you can do a Gavin Lux, Dustin May type of a deal, uh, which those pieces are- – will be bet more impactful on what the Brewers are, are wanting to do moving forward than keeping their, uh, uh, their stud uh, relief uh, pitcher here. I think this is the time that move gets made. They need to lock down their 8th uh, uh, their, uh, and ninth inning options there, so I think Hader finally makes his way uh, to the Dodgers. Looking at the San Diego Padres, there was the team that was the most aggressive team uh, in the season for making moves. Uh, but what's one thing that you got uh, got right there? We said I, even when it was one playoff or
1: two wildcard teams. I said this is a playoff team, and yep. and it was a playoff team, and they they maybe a year ahead of where the initial timetable projection was, but it was a great team all year. So I I feel like we got that one right. This is a playoff team. What's one thing we got wrong? Because I agree with you the same way on the playoff team. Oh, uh, I can tell you one thing I got wrong was mid season this team traded for Trevor Rosenthal, and I said Drew Pomeranz will be still the closer here. He has not given up an earned run all year and I don't believe he ever got a save after that. So while they have a very deep bullpen, even though Rosenthal's a free agent and now Kirby Yates is a free agent, they had a very deep bullpen, it'll be interesting to see how this bullpen shakes out.
0: Absolutely, because there's still a lot of... uh, uh, They could dial it back with the guys they have and re-sign them, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Starting pitching is their biggest need. Uh, Now, again, uh, I... We didn't have Fernando Tatis Jr. as a MVP candidate yet. Uh, and, man, was he the uh, such an explosive year. Not that we didn't have him rated highly. We definitely did. Uh, but I don't think we were ready for him to ascend to this level this quickly yet.
1: No, I, I was I was not. I will not pick him to be my MVP candidate again next year. I think he's an amazing player. I really do. I think he's an amazing player. The walk rate went way up. The strikeout rate dropped. That's, that's exactly what you want to see as he's getting older here. But I there's just a few too many holes in that swing for me to ever pick him to be the MVP. Because if you look at the consi- – let's compare him for just a second to Mookie Betts, right? Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts has got way more consistency in that bat because he's willing to draw a walk and he doesn't strike out as much. Now, Tatis might be the most fun player to watch in the big leagues. But I actually think he might not even be the best bat on that team because I am a big Manny Machado guy, right? So yeah. as far as yeah. – I mean, it's a great team. As far as needs, though, you're right. It's it's the pitching. They have Denilson Mets. Chris Paddock tailed way off at the end of the year. They got to figure out what Chris Paddock's going to be for him because they don't have Mike Clevenger. So this is a team that's the one to watch for one of those trades or certainly a team to watch for Trevor Bauer.
0: Let's take a look at the San Francisco Giants, who were the most, uh, I think, surprising team. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, uh, everyone gave the Marlins credit for the one-year deals in the veteran way, uh, but the Giants did the exact same thing and it almost worked out uh, as well. They just didn't have the farm system ready for those big uh, fireball uh, starting pitchers to uh, jump in into the mix yet. But they they got themselves right uh, with uh, their uh, one-year veteran pitching guys. What's one thing we got right? I have in my notes, this is the hardest team maybe to find. There's two
1: teams that are extremely challenging in the National League to find something we got right about all. Uh, I came up with this. We, we said that it was a very good chance Buster Posey would opt out and that when he did that they would move up Joey Bart because they wanted to push along their timetable. And we were right. Buster Posey opted out. He had his twins. We'll see if he comes back next year, if he's a starter or if they can't stick to Joey Bart, who is
0: one of the top rated catching prospects in baseball. That's not good. When uh, opting out is the only thing I, we got right on the, on this team, and you are you are right. This was a an overlooked team. Didn't see anything there. Uh, saw an aging team uh, that was uh, more likely of trying to figure out like what do you even have here? How do you move forward? And man, they have to feel a lot better about themselves. They were uh, went now away from the playoffs last year.
1: They were went away from the playoffs. So under incorrect things, I have lots. Almost every offensive player overperformed where we would have projected them so just a quick run through here brandon belt had nine home runs hit 30 rbis and hit 309 this year donovan solano hit 326 from second base that is just i i would have taken if you told me he hit 236 i have said absolutely possible brandon crawford fine veteran right great player hit 256 that's maybe what you could have been expected evan longoria Reverse the clock a few years, hit two fifty four, seven home runs. Alex Dickerson, ten home runs, two ninety eight. And then you jump to lies like Mike Yastremski, ten home runs, thirty five RBIs, two ninety seven, playing like his grandpa. Yep. And Wilmer Flores, a let twelve home runs, thirty two RBIs, two sixty eight. These are veteran players who've been around for years. I mean, I know these guys, but those are
0: essentially career years for most of those players, which is just I don't know how they did it. <laughs> and uh, you look at the starting uh, pitching standpoint. Kevin Gaussman got a couple more uh, miles per hour on his fastball. Uh, Drew Smiley uh, was healthy. Has always been the key with him. He's got a, a good arm when he's able to have it healthy and everything's working right. These guys pitched very well, and they... To their credit, uh, $30 million between uh, those players on one-year deals uh, that they were signing for almost veteran minimums uh, this past uh, this past year. So uh, the opportunity was there. And now to me, I should think long and hard about that because you always want to look at a team, where can I go that's going to help me bounce back or going to position me well? If I'm looking at a one-year pillow contract, if I'm wanting to reposition myself for next offseason – Where's a place that I can go that has a history of doing well with pitchers like me and setting me up for it. San Francisco has now become one of those destinations because of what they've done here this past year. And that's what I have down as their
1: need though, too. I've said, you know, Gaussman's back. He's going to come back, but Smiley left. Johnny Cueto bounced back-ish. He's not as the Johnny Cueto of the Reds days, but he's still an average pitcher. And then it's Tyler Anderson, Logan Webb, Andrew Suarez. Uh serviceable. They have the huge park, right? That's always the advantage that they have as far as pitchers are concerned, is they have such a massive park. So a couple of cheap free agent pitchers somewhere online, like a Mike Miner type speculate,
0: see what you get. And I think, I'm I'm interested to see who they pick since they did so well with this, because they're going to analyze that market and say, here's the guy that we think has the best upside that we can uh, jump up with us in the next year. Uh, So that'll be something to to watch uh, to say the least. Uh, If we look at the Colorado Rockies, uh, what's... uh, uh, was this the other one that was hard uh, to put there for right? I just put Rocky's
1: strangeness. We got that right. Because they yes. always have such weird management. They have a young team. This is a team that should have rebuilt. And we said they should rebuild. But then right before the season started, they signed Matt Kemp. And we're like, okay, well, what's what's going on here? And so Sam Hilliard, it's very highly regarded outfield prospect. Ryan McMahon and Garrett Hampson. Other highly regarded infield players. None of them got hurt. And they... None of one of them got more than 175 at-bats because this team just does not understand re- what rebuilding is. They just don't seem to understand what that means. You have to play your young players, even if it means you are a little worse. And I don't think, honestly, I think Sam Hilliard's a better player than Matt Kemp. I think that Ryan McMahon's better than some of the players that were getting at-bats over him. But for whatever reason, the Rockies just refuse to play these
0: guys. And there, uh, there's no more answers than questions. After one year's time, Nolan Arenado is not happy, and he's not happy because, and I guess it was that's one thing we had right, yeah. Uh, because the the off season showed uh, that he, when he learned that his name was in trade rumors, uh, and he was able to at least find out enough confirmed through his agent. Uh, you know, he he locked himself up with this team, saying, "This is where I want to be for the rest of my career." And we're what, maybe two years into that, like ten year deal, uh, or eight-year deal eight year deal, or whatever or it was. 60. And uh, So that has completely strained that relationship. So there's the Rocky strangeness uh, coming out that your star player, instead of aligning with him, you've alienated him, and now you're in a very precarious situation there. Uh, And and then Trevor Story is one year away from free agency now, uh, and so are you going to actually spend to re-sign him? Would he want to re-sign with the way things are going? John Gray is also one year away. He had a weird year. Uh, he was good in 2019, not so good in the, the COVID-2020. Uh, and he's always had his inconsistency issues to begin with. So there's more questions than answers for this team. They at least uh, performed at about the, the level uh, as far as standings go, as we expected here. Uh, but what's one thing we got wrong? Standings-wise, yeah, they performed like it. But if I had told you that this
1: team was a bottom-half offensive team, I don't think we'd – this is a team that ended in the bottom Colorado. half in offense, home runs. They were bottom half of the NFL and the major leagues in off home runs, OPS, and runs per game among other offensive categories. So it's a team that you would expect to be top five, top ten at worst in major league baseball because of that park. And the fact they have two superstars on this roster, two superstars. If nobody else performs, you have Trevor Story and actually three, Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado. You have a third of your lineup is essentially superstars, and you have a bottom half offense.
0: Remember how uh, hot Blackman was yeah. to begin oh, the yeah. year? Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, he faded. That's that's for sure. Well,
1: I, I honestly, I could say I did not expect him to hit four fifty. So I'm gonna, I could take that as a plus. Charlie Blackman only hit three hundred three, but yeah, it's a team that should be a good offense. And
0: honestly. It wasn't last year, well, and and this gets into the one prediction. If there's any team that needs to tear down and rebuild and do a full do it fully. It's the Colorado Rockies. The system right now ain't working. Just trying to uh, build within these core players. You've either alienated them or you're not going to spend the money to get them. So trade Nolan Arenado. Get that contract off your books. Uh, Trade Trevor Story. Get the best you can prospect-wise to build with. If someone is interested in John Gray or Charlie Blackman, you you trade uh, anything not nailed down Mm -hmm. and do a full-scale rebuild. Uh, get the payroll down uh, this year, and then have money to spend next offseason when it's going to be a much better offseason to spend. Uh, So save your pennies here, put them into next year's offseason, do a full-scale rebuild. I think that's the best way to go. German Marquez, uh, here's a guy who, I think he's in arbitration now, Uh, a couple years of team control still left. You should be able to get something decent for him in this pitching market. So this is a team that needs to do a full-scale rebuild, and, and and commit to it because this trying to grab a couple of veterans or it's not working. No, that's that
1: my needs I have now is figure out what you're doing with Nolan Arenado in that contract because right now it's hamstringing them and they're not doing it right. It's this is a team that it, it could compete with the Royal or honestly it could very well be the worst team in baseball next year the way they're going right now.
0: Let's talk about the team that was the worst in the division uh, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. What's uh what's one thing that we got right for them? Starling Marte was going to be one of the premier
1: pickups of the offseason. I think we both said that that was highway robbery, and yet again the Pirates were robbed there, and the Diamondbacks took advantage of that. And actually, he's not on the roster anymore, but they took advantage, and they turned Starling Marte into some decent prospects from the Marlins. But when he was there, he performed, and that's we definitely said that behind Mookie Betts, it might have been the best offseason acquisition.
0: Absolutely. He was someone, for some reason, under, underrated for what he... He brought to a team because he was a solid contact hitter, solid power, uh, still stolen base. Uh, has some uh, solid speed, solid defense. Again, he's not elite in any category, but he's good across the board. And for some reason, uh, was never, uh, never had that type of market with a, a huge prospect demand uh, for for such a thing. And even the trade uh, to get him to the the Marlins. Now it was a rental. Mm-hmm. Uh well no because there's still one yeah, there. on there year club option that was on that so uh, and what they gave up I mean some solid prospects but again nothing big I I do not get why someone doesn't think of Starling Marte in a higher light than what he's been perceived yeah um, incorrects on this team I just have
1: the atrociousness of the pitching staff I I think we I know there was some talk obviously about Robbie Ray and about him having a Cy Young year and that didn't happen. And now he's off this team, but Madison Bumgarner was horrendous, absolutely awful for this team. The worst acquisition oh, of yeah. the offseason. And Luke Weaver was terrible. Both of those guys had six four and six five ERAs. I don't think I thought this team was going to be a great pitching team. I thought it would be Capable and Madison Bum, between those three, when Robbie Ray was there, Madison Bumgarner and Luke Weaver, they literally gave themselves no chance to win any of those games the way they were pitching. Luke Weaver had a small stretch where he was okay, but Zach Gallen's good. Uh, part of that Charlie Marte trade was to get back Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith has a very lively arm, and he's under team control for a few years. Uh, Merrill Kelly had a probably his best year since he's came over from the KBO. Yeah. So Madison Bumgarner's there. They paid him a very large. I don't remember. I think it was five years, eighty million is that correct? I think F- that's right. 5 years 80 million or something around there to pay it. So he's going to be there. And so now you have to figure out you've I, I have us need is starting pitching. I don't think they're going to go out and sign a starting pitcher. You got to figure out what is wrong with Madison Bumgarner. He's not going to throw 97 like he used to with that ridiculous wipeout slider. He's just not doing it anymore. Even though he's only 31, there are so many innings on that left arm of his that he has got to learn how to pitch to what he can do. The same thing I think has to be learned for Set of Luke Weaver. He's not the pitcher that they thought they were getting when they traded Paul Goldschmidt for him. So you got to coach these guys up and get the most out of them because you have a good lineup. Now you need your pitching to catch up.
0: I would agree with that, and I, I think we have. Uh, there's some interesting position players that are on this team. I, I think you're you're uh, from Kettle Marte as well. Uh, here's a guy that was in 2019. He uh, had a huge breakout year, and then it just didn't quite come together in, in 2020. Uh, there's other like. Carson Kelly uh, was uh, another nice From trade the that was made. Part. So so they have made uh, some good trades over time. The, the Madison Baumgartner has definitely pushed them back. But this is a front office that wants to still wheel and deal and compete and does not believe that they need to rebuild at all. So I expect them to keep that same mentality here. So now how do you, if, if that is your mentality, how do you get this team back to 500 or slightly above 500 where you're chasing a wild card spot? And I think that's going to be their, their key question. Starting pitching, can they, can they guess better than Bumgarner <laughs> uh, in the, this offseason? That's the biggest uh, uh, question and prediction they need to get right. Let's take a look at the NL Central and we'll start with the Chicago Cubs and I'll mention uh, uh, what I said before we got started was I mean it feels like the season's been so long ago that uh, I do did not remember that the Cubs won uh, the NL Central but part of that reason was uh, this division, well we and we'll talk about this as our one prediction for the division we got right This was the most competitive division in in the NL but why don't you finish that sentence for me, Corey? My sentence is:
1: they were the most competitive division in the National League, but not one of these teams actually was any good. All of these teams were basically mediocre. Uh, a lot of parity in this division. You could say it like that if you want to be nice, but you saw it when it got to the playoffs. The Reds, Brewers, Cubs, and Cardinals all made the playoffs, and if I remember right now, one of them won a game. Did I forget a team Didn't one of them won a game? The Reds got swept by the Braves. Brewers got swept by the Dodgers. The Cardinals got swept by the... Uh It's been a while, but if I remember right not one of them won a game. So oh, Mar- the Marlins, I think the Cubs won a game against the Marlins, but it was rough. Not one of them won that first
0: series. So a lot of mediocrity in this division, actually. It, it was a very quick exit stage left, yep. uh, first round of playoffs for the NL Central teams. And so as these teams have some, uh, some positives, some things that they can do, uh, but there's a lot of question marks, uh, and those were question marks during the year. Some of those question marks just got bigger, uh, as we look at the the off season, but let's dive in with the Cubs first what's one thing that we got right well we both predicted the Cubs would win the National League Central and we, I think we both
1: said it was because they have look at this offense it's so solid look at this great offense and that was wrong so we'll get to that in the incorrects but it was not the offense it was the pitching you Darvish was Cy Young quality all year Kyle Hendricks looked great they got performances out of Alec Mills and Adbert Azalea that I didn't see coming so it the pitching is pitching wins games
0: and you darvish looks amazing and i think that's one thing we definitely got right i know i made mention that you darvish it, it took the second half of 2019 it finally clicked for him uh, there there were whispers that he was uh, an overpaid signing not bust but definitely not what they thought they had uh, signed when they brought him there and then the second half of 2019 it clicked uh, and he was downright dominant uh, and we said that expect to be that level of pitcher. Now, I think we at least talked about, we didn't make a prediction for him, but we talked about him being Cy Young caliber because oh, sure. that's what he was in the second half of 2019. And now that sounds like not much of a, of a prediction now, but it was at the beginning of this year. Uh, could he do it for a full season? Could he be that true ace? And he definitely showed that in 2020. Yeah, he he was incredible. And you hope they get it again next year because see
1: that they're going to need bounce backs. So if we go to just into the incorrects, terrible offensive performances i mean terrible from their superstars anthony rizzo hit 222 this season now he did hit 11 home runs so if that's worth he hit 222 with 11 home runs chris bryant four home runs and i believe he had three of those in the last weekend or two in the last weekend while hitting 206 schwarber this was the year he was going to get all his playing time 11 home runs sounds great 188 that you, you can't live at 188 and Javier Baez, like this was, he's a superstar, right? Everybody was ready to buy in finally. I've never been a Baez fan because he doesn't walk, and I've got to think for walks. So eight home runs, three steals, but 203, when you're four players that you expect a lot out of, the highest average is 222, uh, that's not going
0: to work. So now you got to see, what are we
1: going to do with some of these guys?
0: Yeah, this is a, the the crossroads just became that much more challenging because it's hard to say who who do you invest in. I think they've committed to that. Schwarber is not someone they invest in unless the NL does get the the DH, which it sounds like it's going to happen. Uh, but he's getting to a price tag where it doesn't support the on field production. Uh, he might be a, a better a change of scenery candidate for someone else, which is why I think he does get moved with one year left on his deal. Um, Chris Bryant is is gone because as a uh, as a Scott Boris. Uh, uh, player, uh, he's going to want top dollar and he has not performed like that MVP for three years now. Let someone else try to figure that out. That's an easy $20 million off the books, uh, especially if you're not resigning him. It really doesn't matter what you get for him. If you can uh, trump up his name recognition to get you something, if Carter Kaiboom is what you get. Uh, like we said, I like that deal because both of those guys, the shine has worn off on both. That's a perfect change of scenery trade that fits more for each team what they're looking to do. Uh, And then from there, you need to figure out is Javier Byers, is is he the cornerstone of a team that you want to spend big bucks on? And uh, again, I agree the free free, uh, wheeling stage with his bat uh, where he doesn't find a pitch that he doesn't like. Uh, is the definite challenge as far as how that goes. So uh, and more questions than answers. Their, their GM, stepped, their front office person, stepped down, as we talked about last week. So this club is in flux because you count Joe, uh, Joe Madden the previous year. This is no longer the team that won the uh, World Series just a couple of years ago. And so they need to decide now moving forward. They need to stop looking back at what these players contributed to get to that point. And now they need to look ahead at the next three years who, if any of these t- of these players are worth investing in for that next competitive window? Uh, and it's hard to say next competitive window when you won the the division, but it, as of right now, you're not going to win that division this next year. And even, even if you do, you're you're not. There's not no way they're team.
1: competitive. There's no way they're competitive with a team like the Braves. They're not competitive yep. with the Dodgers. They're not competitive with the Padres. N- not even close, in my estimation. Most of these National League Central teams, unless something changes, but. Let's move on to the next one. I think we're on the Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals finished second, which was like almost a three-way tie if I remember, but the Cardinals finished second. And one thing we got right about the Cardinals was we said it was a playoff team. We both thought it could be a wild card team, but not a true contender. And I've never thought the Cardinals were a true contender because of variety of issues on this team, uh, pitching. And then, obviously, this team got struck by COVID. So while they were roughly, I think they finished one game above 500, maybe two. Cardinals finished 30 and 28. So two games above 500, right? They didn't even play 60. It was uh, a competitive team, but I never considered it to be a
0: true challenger to the World Series. And I don't know if we predicted this uh, or, or not, or this is in the wrong category, but the their offense was horrible. Uh, this was a bottom, I want to say bottom five offense in the National League, wasn't it?
1: It was really, I don't have that in front of me right now, but it, it was terrible. And that's actually what I have under incorrects is just how bad this offense was, too. Uh, they didn't have, now like I said they had 58 games. This team was led by Tyler O'Neill, who had seven home runs. That led this team. Now, 60 games, that's terrible. They had six home runs from Paul Goldschmidt. He hit 304. That's That's—that's good. That'll, you'll take that. But Tommy Edmond, five. Paul DeYoung, three. Dylan Carlson, I had high hopes for Dylan Carlson. He didn't even stay on the team most of the year. For whatever reason, they decided not to use him, and he hit three, but Matt Carpenter four while hitting 186. Matt Carpenter seems pretty much washed at this point, so it's a it is a very
0: strangely designed roster. They had the third least run scored in the National League behind the Pittsburgh Pirates yep. and the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> See, they,
1: What do you know? National League Central just owning that bottom half of the offensive categories.
0: It was... A very
1: strange division all year, and while you say you could say, "Man, look at the pitching they had to go up against." Yeah, they did. They versed you. Obviously, they versed the National League Central almost the whole season. So that meant a lot of you Darvish. That meant a lot of Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Brandon Woodruff. There was good pitching in this division, but
0: the offense in this division was depressed at best. And that's going to be their biggest qu- question that they look at as far as uh, prediction goes. They need to upgrade. That offense, which is why you're hearing them talking about Nolan Arenado, which is why you're hearing them talking about James McCann uh, and and some of the other potential players uh, that could be out there. They're going to be somewhat limited from a, a budget standpoint. Uh, as far as free agency, but that might also be because they don't see someone worth spending on, which is why you're looking at potentially the trade market or trying to find value picks uh, where you can here. But I think Nolan Arenado g- goes here. I think that's the one, uh, mm. uh, the one uh, trade rumor that I like. It fits. Uh, as we've mentioned before. So I think that's what I'm going to go ahead and jump out on. I'll I'll probably reference it next week when we get into all those types of things. But I just like that fit there for jump-starting what they're trying to do, again, for especially a two-way player, one of the best defenders in the game at any position. Uh, But why don't we talk Cincinnati Reds because it's going to be a lot of the same. But this is going to be one of the ones, probably more of the bigger oof does, uh, as far as what got wrong. But let's start with what got right. Oh, we said the big three pitchers were
1: everything. I mean, they were everything we could have hoped for. Luis Castillo's numbers didn't maybe necessarily match it, but Trevor Bauer was incredible. Sonny Gray was great. And Luis Castillo was awesome for this team. And I'd say we were half right on Nick Castellanos. We, I think you said he was the best acquisition. I believe that was you, not me, in this case, said he was the best acquisition in the NL Central. And he was pretty good. He hit the home runs. The two twenty-five average is a little low, but it's very unlucky yet again with him. He's had a history of being unlucky. But overall... You know, we both said this was our team that we we, we thought this team was going to win it. So to jump straight into incorrects here a little bit, we both thought this was a team that was going to win it, but we thought it was, once again, going to be an offensive team. Look, Nick Castellanos is here, and Eugenio Suarez is here, and Moustakis is here. And it was one of the worst offenses in baseball.
0: Yeah, just to jump into uh, Cassianos a a little bit, he had the 14 home runs, which was nice. Uh, The walk percentage was good. His uh, strikeout percentage, when he's not a big strikeout guy, jumped about 7%. uh, It's near 30%, which is not uh, not characteristic for him. Uh, But his BABIP was a good 80 points under what it has been in previous seasons. So there's a bit of unluckiness there where I like uh, him moving forward. His exit velocity was the strongest it's been. So there's things that you like overall for a rebound year. But, man, that offense was not expected to be this bad it wasn't going to be a because they made some acquisitions they thought they could improve it they they tried to improve the contact ability with Castellanos being a contact hitter uh, Akiyama was meant to be a contact hitter from their low key but one that would fit with an on-base percentage with contact hitting they tried to address that problem but man the results did not change and that's okay so then my needs are reach
1: expectations with your star hitters Eugenio Suarez he's had even last year he hit 15 home runs while hitting 202 and the year before he had I believe 49 home runs the quietest 49 home run season in history where he hit 271 it's probably somewhere's in the middle right it's somewhere's in the middle you're gonna hope for 240 but if you got 35 home runs and 240 250 out of him you're happy Mike Moustakis they signed him to be better than that uh, 30 home runs 250 260 is what you're hoping for Nick Senzel was one of the premier prospects in the game two, three years ago. Uh, Now he's a rotational player for this team, a fourth outfielder it's looking like. Is is that what you're expecting out of him at this point or else move on, figure out what you're going to do with him. And then, yeah, you mentioned Castellanos. Maybe it's just a little luck. I think it's a lot of it was luck. The hard hit rate was high. I don't think he's a 220 hitter. I think he's a 280 hitter plus actually. So get those guys to expectations and see what this offense is. And now trading Sonny Gray seems to be if they truly do that, that seems to be a little bit of a counterproductive step back. Yeah. So I guess at this point, you have to say, figure out what you're going to do with your pitching, too, because you're losing two stars, maybe.
0: Well, and they are, again, being rumored as being a very aggressive team this offseason, which fits. Again, no one saw them being the one to trade for Trevor Bauer uh, when that went through. And they have been aggressive in the last couple of years trying to get there. Uh, and it seems like they're going to keep, keep with that same trajectory. DD Gregorius is uh rumored here as well as one of the teams interested in his services he's been here previously it'd be a nice way to uh, to bring him back i think that's a great fit but they have to keep looking at those types of players and keep moving forward we've done a lot with the Milwaukee Brewers so we'll keep this one more on the on the lighter side uh, but what would you say is one thing we got right here I'll toot my own horn. I predicted the Corbin Burns bounce back. I said he'd bounce
1: back after the horrendous year. That was my bounce back player. And hey, if he would have got hurt, there Couldn't was like right Cy sci- on Young. There was like legit Cy sci- Young potential there at times. So I'll say Corbin Burns was correct. Uh, incorrect? <laughs> We've talked about the this, offense. right? Thought some Ooh. of the offensive signings would work out, but Jed Jerko worked, and they let him go since then. But Justin Smoke was terrible, got released midseason. Eric Sogard was pretty much awful. Uh, obviously, El Garcia was... We'll say, okay, Uh, Omar Narvaez was terrible.
0: Everyone else made uh, Garcia look better.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's what we'll say. He was bumped up by the rest. But Omar Narvaez, terrible. Ryan Healy, terrible. So some of that we thought would work out, and it was essentially throw it against the wall, see what sticks, and none of it, Jed Jerko maybe, the rest of it, none of it stuck. So for needs this team, we've won over this before. Corner infield has to be you have to have production on offense from corner infield. You cannot in today's game get by without some corner infield production and it couldn't have been much worse at first with first and third base offensively.
0: Agreed. And, and to me, again, I said the one prediction is Josh Hader gets moved, and I think that's the where they can add in some of these pieces here, uh, and we'll see what happens. Again, last week uh, talked about, or the week before, excuse me, talked about uh, Wilson Ramos being, I think, an interesting fit at catcher that will be more uh, helpful of, offensively uh, in, in that category. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates are, are fun. Pirates positive that we've been, uh, 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 that everyone looked forward to in, in the COVID year uh, that we supplied uh, the masses with. Uh, let's try to find that. What's the best Pittsburgh positive that we got right in, in 2020?
1: Yeah, I don't. it's not very positive. I just have, <laughs> we said this team was going to be really bad. This team was going to be really bad and... Yeah, we, we were right about that, 19-41. Uh, and 41, I believe that was the worst record in the game, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, we, we called that one. There were some teams we thought were going to be really bad, like Baltimore and Giants, who were pretty good. So, yeah, no, we were definitely right. Pittsburgh was poor from the outset.
0: Do, do you have anything in the uh, got-wrong category? I'm sure this was one of the one that's kind of hard to find.
1: If there was one player we thought would be good... And could have kid could get better and get traded midseason. It was Josh Bell, right? We yep, thought Josh yep. Bell is the one solid player on this team. Switch hitter. He was coming off of, I think of he was, was coming off of a 37 home run season where he hit 277. And we thought, well, maybe, maybe he gets off to a hot start. And if there's someone traded at the midseason, it's Josh Bell to a contending team. Well, he got off to a cold start and kept up the cold start and continued on the cold start. He got to two twenty six with eight home runs on the year. So That was unforeseen. I really think that, once again, that might have been a kind of a Nick Castellanos, a little unlucky. I don't think Josh Bell is suddenly done. He had a 43% hard hit rate, solid exit velocity again. The launch angle was really low. So if he gets his launch angle back up even to the 9 area, he had it down at 5. If he gets it back up in the 9 area and he starts hitting line drives, I think Josh Bell can bounce back and still still do some good things for this team.
0: Moving to the NL East, we'll start with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Freddie Freeman, we got it right.
1: Yeah. yeah, we certainly got Freddie Freeman right. That would, uh, I also feel like I got correct that Will Smith didn't deserve the contract. Uh, Will Smith did not live up to that big contract that they paid him. It no. was I was whining about that contract from the outset, and while he pitched for them in the playoffs, uh, Will Smith for the season pitched to a 4-5 ERA, and if you're paying him that much money, that's uh, not what you want. So Freddie Freeman was great. The offense was great. We called all that, and Will Smith was bad. That's, what's, what's the biggest thing you say we got wrong? Biggest thing we got wrong about Atlanta... Kept doubting those young pitchers, actually, I guess. I, we kept sort of doubting Ian Anderson and Max Fried for a while, and they kept going all the way and all the way to the National League Championship Series.
0: Yeah, and, and we've seen, as far as prediction, like we're almost uh, past that point. I guess I'll, 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 again, this is a segue into next uh, next week, but uh, do you think Ozuna returns? He has fired his agent, uh, by the way. He goes through his agents uh, faster than some people do wardrobes. Uh, and he was unhappy with not receiving any offers yet. So I, I don't know what that means as far as uh, is that a uh, the type of personality that you want giving a long-term contract to? There's some small inklings, but, man, that bat was so awesome. He
1: was incredible for him last year. He really was. Do they need him? Probably technically not. Uh, would you certainly be happy to have him? Yeah. But – I'm going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I'm going to say that he walks on him and that they bring in, I, they're going to trust Christian Pache to play center field and they're going to move Acuna to right. That's my trust. That's my prediction. Pache got up at the end of the year, one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. You move Acuna to right field and you go from there because I think they have enough to to be good without Azuna.
0: Let's talk Miami Marlins. Let's talk about uh, what we got right. And I think number one, I was definitely touting this that I loved their veteran uh, one year deals. I loved Corey Dickerson. I loved Jesus Aguilar. I loved the players that they picked up for this. And those guys, they they were the exact opposite of of the Brewers that we've said before uh, what, what the Brewers did and got everything wrong. The Marlins did and got everything right.
1: Yeah, it's that's that's it. That's exactly what they did. They they got it perfect, right? They Corey Dickerson Aguilar. And uh, it, it it couldn't have worked out any better for him. It was better than I predicted, but we certainly had some things wrong with the Marlins. Um, I think even though we thought it might work, we thought it'd be a cellar dweller, right? We thought it might be the worst yeah. team in the National League East. And as they
0: rebuilt, but it made the playoffs. And the young talent developed faster than anticipated. Uh, what looked good on paper uh, now looked good uh, from the mound. And Sisto San- Sanchez and... Uh, uh, so many of these other guys just jumped in and performed well right now. Not next year, not three years from now, right now. Uh, and that really propelled them in the second half of the year right into the playoffs. And they were a challenging team uh, uh, to start with. And now you got to see, that's my need is do it again. This pitchers,
1: do it again. You have four pitchers under the age of 26 right now that you're relying a lot on. Sandy Alcantara. 25 years old, 3 ERA last year. Got to do it again. Pablo Lopez, 24 years old, 361 ERA. Eliezer Hernandez, 25 years old, 316. And Sixto Sanchez at 22 with a 346. You got to do it again. If you can do it again, this
0: team can be competitive for a really, really long time. And now you need those offensive players to uh, continue to am- improve, or you need to you need to pick well again in the offseason uh-huh. for the, the one year deals, or whoever you pick up. Now again, Starling Marte, you have him for a full year. He is going to be the big piece uh, there over the full season. Be interesting to watch them, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, what's one thing we got right? Uh, Zach Wheeler would be worthy of that contract. There was a lot of yeah. there was a lot of people that thought Zach Wheeler was overpaid
1: and. I thought that that's a fine deal. Uh, not Hyunjin Ryu. I, that was one obviously I liked the most. But I thought Zach Wheeler would live up to that contract and 2.92 ERA this year, 71 innings, only struck out 53. The strikeouts were a little lower, but hey, the, the Phillies aren't paying for the strikeouts. They're paying to lower the, the the keep the run prevention off the board, and he did it. So Zach Wheeler very much lived up to that deal that first year. What do you think we got wrong? Oh. If I had to say, the historic, this was in a historically bad bullpen. Now, everything else this team did, because you look at this team and you say, well, Bryce Harper was pretty good for this team, and they hit some pretty good. They they have fine offensive production, and Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, even Zach Eflin, some of those guys gave him pretty good pitching, so what went wrong? And it was... It was an historically bad bullpen. Like cannot be outstated how bad it was. They tried to rebuild it on the fly. Yeah, they did. They they tried to they realized it was their problem, but it just never worked. I remember I was watching a game, I think it was probably August. They were up seven to one in the eighth inning and they lost like thirteen to seven. So it was unbelievable how bad this bullpen was. And that's they they have gotta figure it out this offseason because you cannot have a team this good losing games because your bullpen is giving up. They have multiple players in this bullpen with ERAs above 6. 6.52, 17, 20, your closers
0: is 4.57. That that can't work. So that's the big change that the Phillies need to make. As we look at the New York Mets, obviously they're a team that's in the biggest uh, offseason influx from new ownership and a guy who's already promised to make it rain. He's promised a a World Series in the next three years or he thinks he has done a terrible job. Uh, So what's one thing we got right about the Mets? There's a lot of talent on this team. I We've said all along, there's a lot of talent on this
1: team, and I still fully believe that. There is Brandon Nimmel, Michael Conforto, Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith, Jeff McNeil, very good players. Jacob DeGrom, obviously, is a pitcher, but it just doesn't fit. It doesn't feel like a good team. It feels like you have a lot of talented players, but where's the connection? Like, how is this working together? So
0: that's what I have here. I think we both think there's a lot of good players on this team, but – how i i would say my got wrong is uh, i still believed in edwin diaz to bounce back for them <laughs> And if if he is going to bounce back, it will not be in New York. I think that has been completely confirmed. The meltdowns are too bad there. The market is too bad. This feels like another Sonny Gray situation. He's got to go somewhere else. And with now a new GM and a new front office who's not tied to him because that was the biggest stain that he had in trading a top 10 overall prospect for an albatross contract uh, of an aging veteran who now is suspended uh, for another year because of performance-enhancing drugs and a meltdown reliever who was the best reliever in the game uh, when he was traded for them. Uh, and you don't want to trade that to someone else and watch him go pitch better somewhere else. So now is the setup for him to go to a different team. Uh, but man, got that one wrong.
1: I will say, mine is, I just got down all the free agent pitchers that they signed. So it was Rick Borcello, not very good for him this year. Michael Waka and Dylan Batances. It None of them worked, right? It's just a weird team. So big needs. I just have, okay, do what you said you're going to do. Make a couple splash moves. Is it JT Romuto? Is that the one you're going to go for? Is it George Springer? You've got the money. You've said you're willing to do it. Figure out what it is and make sure that it fits. Like find yourself a plan. I feel like it's just a lot of throw stuff together and it doesn't always fit together. Make a plan. If you're going to build around JT Realmuto, you have a superstar catcher, the best catcher in the game. If you're going to build around George Springer, Build around George Springer and stick to it. You cannot just keep throwing things out there and seeing what works. Make a plan.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's the number one thing. You need to have someone in there, and and with a better ownership, you can put together a longer-term plan uh, and and get it together. But, yeah, this is a team that has tried to throw stuff around and just – Figure it out. But again, this is how you end up with good talent, but not a good team. So, a plan to lead themselves back to what they used to be. Uh, Washington Nationals wraps up our our, uh, coverage here. And, uh, this would be the one. Sorry, Corey. this this would be
1: the one that when I said I had a hard time coming up with a correct thing to say, it's this team. So, if you remember correctly, let's get into the incorrects. This was my World Series team. This was where my Cy Cy Young winner prediction was on with Steven Strasburg, And, uh, this was a bottom dweller. So I couldn't have been much worse on this team as far as predictions go. So when I had to come up with a correct thing, I just have very hard here. I have one Soto was very good. One <laughs> Soto was good. That's all I could come up with. It was this was such a strange year for this team.
0: You know, it's a, uh, it was a strange year. And again, you still have an ownership committed to spending big bucks. You still have uh, uh, some of the best pitchers in baseball. You have one of the best rising stars in baseball. Uh, Find a way to, to build, uh, add more talent to it, and roll it back because you're not going to be this bad uh, in a 162-game season next year.
1: Yep, My need is line of protection for Juan Soto and Trey Turner. If it's Chris Bryant, go get Chris Bryant. If it's do you want to make a splash move for one of these free agents, do you want to go try and get George Springer? Trust me, there's plenty of spots on this team you can put him in.
0: Maybe a potential dark uh, horse candidate for J.T. Rumuto. Uh, sure. j- just throwing that one out there because they're the team that tends to line up well with Scott Boris, uh, and they have the money to do it. Uh, and to be honest, I would rather them spend on that money on J.T. Ramuto versus $20 million bucks to Chris Bryant oh, yeah. uh, because you're also oh, getting yeah. a premium position. Now, you could say third base is too, but this is a better use of your money. It's a longer-term contract versus one-year uh, deal to find out with uh, Chris Bryant, can he bounce back now over there? I, I get it. You're only committing $20 million bucks, and if he's bad, you're not on the hook with anything else. But if you're going to spend that type of money or if that's what you're looking at doing, I would love to see them get involved in JT Romuto, and I think that's the team that Scott Boris tries to uh, uh, bat the eyes at to get involved to drive up that price. Last thing I'll say about the Nationals is some of their
1: young talent that was expected a lot of has to perform soon. We talked about Carter Keyboom. He was widely considered their top prospect for the last few years. He hit two oh two without a home run or a stolen base. And Victor Robles for years was considered like the premier outfield prospect in the game and he hit 220 with three home runs and four steals for a guy that was widely expected to steal 30 40 bases from the top lineup that can't work so some of these younger guys that they've expected a lot out of Robles was supposed to be essentially Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert for them and it hasn't happened so Juan Soto's worked out couldn't have worked out any better he's tracking to be a hall of fame player literally Forty nine. He had a 490 on base percentage last year, which is just otherworldly good. But some of these other young players, they have they've got to get more out of them.
0: There's a couple of smaller trades that have happened in the last week. We'll talk a little bit more next week about them. The Rockies did acquire right hander Robert, Robert Stevenson, Stevenson. Yeah. Uh, and and again, it wasn't like he had a good year uh, with them. But uh, I think he's the guy who moving him into the bullpen. Has the chance to be a higher upside guy than any sort of starting, so that's one to, to take a look at. Yeah, and that just, one,
1: sorry, I made no, no, go ahead. And in that one, Jeff Hoffman was, I believe, the trade that went back to Cincinnati. Hoffman was a like, fourth pick overall, or tenth pick over ninth pick overall in 2014. Really high pedigree, but he also walks way too many guys. And the pars- you know, getting somebody out of Colorado only can help
0: that. <laughs> and the Indians continue to, to sell guys. Uh, uh, sidearm reliever Adam uh, Kimber Simber. Uh, was been traded uh, today to the Miami Marlins uh, for $100,000. One. Uh, I did not uh, see that one. He was 0-1 uh, uh, with a 3.97 ERA in 14 games this past season for Cleveland, uh, who acquired him uh, as part of the Padres uh, trade with, uh, that brought in Brad Hand. Uh, But he's a guy who's been a solid reliever. can always use relief help, right? And so that's kind of an underrated move that's uh, there. Next week I want to dive into this more because I just happened to see this as we were on air, and I like this as part of MLB is doing their restructuring of the minor league system. And we have some things trickling out, but not a lot yet. But the one that just came out today is that Major League Baseball is creating a minor league for top eligible prospects leading into the summer draft. Uh, That's a fascinating uh, thing that I like. It's a wood bat draft league that's going to launch with five teams, could add a sixth. that MLB said today. They'll play a 68-game regular season that includes an all-star break and would coincide with the draft in early July. Uh, Teams are being awarded to uh, communities that lost a franchise uh, as MLB has consolidated and shrunk the uh, minor league affiliates from 160 to 120 uh, and so the first half of the year would be highlighting these guys leading up to the the draft, and the second half will be guys that maybe got overlooked with the draft, but draft eligible type of players that can show that uh, show their skills on the on the diamond That's and, and awesome. what they can do. So I love the idea of that, mm-hmm. and maybe something positive can come uh, from MLB's taking over because they're getting rid of the ML, the minor league board. They are now absorbing all of this under the MLB branch. And I think that will be better long term. There's going to be some short term uh, hurt, especially by teams that are being or cities that are being that are losing some of these minor league teams.
1: I've always wanted to go to the Cape Cod League, which is the famous one out yeah. in New England, right? Yep. That's where they use the wooden bats, and I've never gotten there. So I don't know. I, I haven't. You just you're dropping this news at me now, so I don't know where these teams are. But if you, and I'd love to go to see a game like that if it's anywhere's around the Midwest area. So
0: yeah, it'd be great. So there's, uh, again, there's a couple of things that they're looking at doing here, but again, that news just dropped as we've been on air. Uh, so we'll break that down more next week in the middle of our, our Hot Stove preview as a way of looking at uh, you know, kind of a cool league that's going to have uh, upside on players potentially getting drafted, a chance to show some of those things. So I, I like the idea. We'll look at it more in depth next week. Uh, that wraps up our podcast uh, for uh, today, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.